You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. So welcome to Be Simply. Today we have Jeff James Howard, and he's zooming into us or remote connecting to us all the way from uh, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. And it's so great to have you here again, Jeff. Uh, yeah. We're going to we're gonna include your past show below uh, in the link so people can connect to that too. So we don't have to like revisit some of the stuff so they can really sip you up and we'll dive into other matters today. Just we're going to just dive straight in. Um, mm-hmm. When we originally started to have the this or I wanted to welcome you on was with the idea of touching on masculine energy which of course is connected with the feminine energy we can't it's the Mm -hmm. old yin and yang they they go together (laughs) can't separate them if we tried Mm -hmm. in nature or anything uh what I'm curious this morning that was on my mind uh earlier was how do you feel that uh the masculine energy or how is it poised to transform? Because it feels like, you know, we've been in a really aggressive human species time, psyche to psyche, basically very a lot of division, opposition. If you don't say something I don't like, I don't want to talk to you. You can't be my friend. <laughs> so it's been right. this real, like, kind of like three-year-old child sandbox phenomena. I don't know. Or maybe mm-hmm. maybe five or six. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how... How do you see if we dive in with the masculine, we'll bring the feminine along. This isn't to blame the masculine at all, mm-hmm. but where that's ready to transform in all of us, because I work with Chinese medicine. So both principles apply. Your masculine and feminine are always present. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so weigh in on your relationship to the masculine at this moment on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Suzanne. <clears throat> I like your question. How is it poised to transform? Um, the first thing that comes up is the last, I don't know how many years, maybe even a couple of decades of the sensitive ponytail guy, you know, it was sort of like the new man who was very sensitive and very attuned and very curious and, uh, in some ways deferential, um, in a way to compensate for hundreds, if not thousands of years of just men being assholes big bullies on the block. Um, (laughs) The first word that comes to mind is integration. Um, It's part of what I do in my work as a therapist and as a men's group leader and facilitator is how can, and this is for anyone, how can we hold the both hand? How can I be clear and know that I know something whilst staying open and curious? So not posturing, saying I know best and not collapsing, saying, oops, sorry, I don't want to offend you by knowing something different than you or or feeling or thinking something different than you. So if there's a transformation on the horizon that I'm pulling for, it's integration. uh, Integration. Yeah, referring to as masculine and feminine energies. Beautiful. And explain to those viewing and listening uh, the importance of that word integration because oftentimes we both leave retreats uh people might uh have 
just a sudden awareness of something or a bit of information that's overwhelming or inspiring. It can be all things. Uh, but explain that what that feels like for someone and the importance of it, because it is super important because sometimes we get information, we run really fast forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> this is great. I want this forever. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, the first thing I think of, uh, I haven't had a regular yoga practice for, for a long time, and I used to for years, consistent yoga practice. And I think of the final pose for many schools of yoga, which is Shavasana. Mm -hmm. And if you're just looking at yoga from a distance and you see people laying down in a room, you'd be like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> They're paying this guy or this gal to teach them to lay down. Um, and the importance of that pose is, is essentially what you're talking about, what we're talking about, which is integration. We do a thing that has an impact. Any kind of growth, any kind of movement, any kind of learning is destabilizing period. And so, like you said, destabilizing can be overwhelming. It can be inspiring. And we might want to run in opposite directions. And likely what's more valuable, and in my experience, definitely has more value, is slowing down and letting things sift and settle. Who am I now? Well, I just learned some things. I'm not the same person, even though I'm still the same. This this paradox of, of growth and, and uh, evolution. So... For me, integration is you hold a couple of things. They don't make sense. You really wrestle with it. Ah, these don't make sense. They shouldn't be able to exist at the same time. And then actually they find their way together, how they can exist uh, and in fact need to exist and probably already existed together. Right. So, yeah. Beautiful. And then if you share in the relationship to self, uh, whether you're masculine or feminine embodiment or relate to that however you wish in this moment in time can you share mm -hmm. uh what that looks like once we've integrated some information and what are some objective steps forward because sometimes we get bits of information and it seems like you know uh maybe it's just uh, an idea a fantasy you know you get information it's inspiring but it's not rooted in anything factual or it might be rooted in something factual but still uh, there's this process that you go once you integrate it. Uh, what would you recommend as like some, a couple tools for people to integrate and then move into action with what they have received? Yeah, I love that. Uh, the both end of learning something new and actually holding it and moving forward uh, uh, with it in your toolkit. It reminds me of a saying I heard and I don't know where to attribute it to. It goes like this, if I see something, uh, what's it, how's it, if I hear, if you, if I hear something, I forget. If you show me something, I remember. But if I do something, I understand. Yeah. So it's that idea of, it's got to be in real time, in real life. That's one of my central tenets as a person who guides people. Go into the world and practice it. And one of the concepts I offer people to hold is productive discomfort. Yeah. And knowing the difference between kind of garden variety discomfort this really sucks i hate this or whatever or the stories we have about our limitations and being able to discern between those old stories and old habits typically mm -hmm. unconscious and this new kind of discomfort that's useful it's productive because i'm learning and i'm growing right nothing happens without some kind of friction and destabilization 
Right. So if I offer, say, um, <clears throat> when someone uses you a lot to describe themselves, it's really common. If, like if I'm talking to you, Suzanne, I say, well, you know, when you, uh, you're in line <laughs> at the grocery store and the, and the guy in front of you cuts you off and turns out he's a bit of a jerk, you know how that goes. And then you just, <laughs> you just be quiet and you don't say anything, but later you bitch about it to your wife or whatever. That's a, that's a disowning and I'm actually burdening you in some way because I'm right. not cleanly owning it. So I'd offer someone the tool of, hey, one, stop doing that. Two, put an I statement in there. So say right. I and see how it feels differently. So there's a, an objective way to change how we are in the world and, and ideally make it manageable, make it very small and significant in terms of that change. Beautiful. So uh, shifting, taking responsibility, <laughs> which, mm -hmm. brings, which brings me to the point that uh, right now, uh, because there's been a lot of labeling of you know everything from psychological pathologies to uh creating boundaries so you don't have to interact with people that you don't like I'm, there i'm using the right. word but i don't actually do that i'm not an advocate for boundaries so <laughs> i will own that i'm not an advocate for boundaries i'm like bring let's come in the room and let's chat so uh -huh. if, if you uh can share you know how people can start to take responsibility, but then also open themselves up to the world versus, you know, giving everyone, a, I call it a terms and condition sheets every time they interact with you. Cause you know, you, sure. you're barely going to be able to have friends if you have to hold like 20 contracts with each person that you're involved with. Cause if we're aware, if I'm aware, I can start to pick up on you as a person and know what you like and you don't like. It's pretty easy. Parents do it all the time with their children. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. You know, it's just by being aware and astute to what works for them and what doesn't. So if you can share a little bit about how we can actually be more open to one another and, you know, after that integration phase, start maybe practicing taking responsibility for who we are in the world and then opening ourselves up to our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um... The concept of capital S selfhood comes up, you know, with integration, ideally we're becoming more sovereign. We have, and this is from internal family systems, uh, this modality that I appreciate a lot, a small S self, that's kind of a young self, you know, unconscious self, and then our large S, capital S self, that's more the adult initiated one in the world. Um, so along the lines of, you know, taking responsibility for our, who we are, what we need, uh, what we require from people we're close to or not even close to. Um, that feels central in the process of, like, for instance, if, if you were to come up to me and say, hey, sister, <laughs> maybe that threw me off. And I uh, I think it's it's on me to say, uh, hmm, I'm curious why you called me sister. That's a curious <laughs> thing. I've never been called that before. So I could, I could lead with curiosity. Yeah. Um, as opposed to now, the climate is often consistently... You know, it's aggression, ironically. Um, okay. It's relational aggression and sometimes relational violence, sort of two sides of the same coin. Um, and then ideally with enough presence and again with selfhood, I can say, hey, uh, I prefer you not call me that. My name's Jeff and I prefer that. And then cool, it's on them. If they, if they want to keep calling me sister, then I get to say, 
All right, I'm I'm actually gonna still walk away from you. I'm not gonna continue talking to you. Um, and ideally, this is a concept that also is not the easiest to grasp. Working to depersonalize things, where if you're coming up and just insisting that you call me this thing, that doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not about me. That has something to do with you. Absolutely. So. I can be curious, maybe a little bit generous. And also there's a great line. I can't, I don't know who to quote it. I've tried to look it up. I heard it through Brene Brown. I have it on a sticky note in my wall. And <laughs> this is as a philosophy for life, do no harm, take no shit, hmm. which I just love. <laughs> I'm not out to do any harm. And also I'm not going to take any shit. Uh, yeah. I can be kind and firm. There's another dynamic tension. Right. Yeah. Well, and you brought up the word aggression, kind, firm. And then when you're saying take no shit, it reminds me mm -hmm. of, you know, a lot of people, they think of Buddhism as just, uh, just ha peace, love, happiness, but there's actually the Buddha that carries the stick, um, that corrects it. It doesn't mm -hmm. take any shit, you know? And so, uh, because it's commanding a certain amount of respect and a word that's used in Buddhism a lot is ignorance, which would be an offensive word. If I told you you're ignorant, it's not to be offensive. Mm -hmm. I might say, you know, there's ignorance here and, and we can realize our own ignorance in a given mm -hmm. moment if we're willing to look, you know. So uh, yeah. I love that. Take no shit. <laughs> so yeah. if we if we parlay that into actually this concept of the, the masculine in us, it's a, and it's built in nature, aggression, there's anger, but it's an exception, not the norm. Uh, but in our society, we've really started to quickly grasp. That's why a lot of people like psychoanalyze other people when they have no real business doing that. Uh, <laughs> they might label them, uh, try to, you know, search and figure out why their ex-partner is a sociopath or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, <But laughs> narcissist. Yeah, very common. Yeah, they yep. start labeling. But if we can talk about the the aggression aspect and why it's built into nature, why it's built into all of us. And how it can serve, but it it needs to be used appropriately. Um, and so it's a very interesting uh, conversation to have, especially for the men, because I feel like a, a lot of male embodiments are, you know, they're more hardwired to express themselves physically. And so it gets confusing when society is telling them you can't do that. That's abuse or that's that's not right but there's right. some way that energy has to come out because mama bear if you get between her and her cubs in the forest she is going to let you know that's not okay <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> emphatically um <clears throat> yeah i like your question suzanne um the first thing that comes up specifically with men i know for me in my own dance with anger and my challenge is expressing it in in safe enough ways or finding places where it's actually encouraged, it's tough. Uh, and that's where I'll go back to that movement, uh, 80s, 90s, and still today, of the sensitive man who ends up being actually more collapsed. I think that guy is oftentimes more dangerous than just the ignorant hick in the sticks uh, because there's a little bit of false advertising sometimes with sensitive men because it's not okay to be aggressive. It's not okay to be decisive. It's not okay to know something. And I've certainly been in this position many times where it really did feel like it wasn't okay to know anything because I'm a white male American heterosexual, largely cis man. Um, Cause I think anger then goes out sideways and we get leaky. 
uh, I know for myself, I realized, oh, when I put myself in context where I'm in charge, oh, I'm so much more comfortable exerting power because it feels like, great, I have set the container that I'm the one who's leading and you're all here to participate. Now, I don't, I, I've tried not to wield the power in a kind of power hungry way. And I can see the slippery slope of, oh, huh, I'll just put myself in put myself in a clear position of power over and over and over. That way I'm not being irresponsible, except I probably am because I'm just taking advantage of a, a power structure that already exists. I'm kind of mm. hopping on the escalator. That's quite exclusive. You can't hop on the same escalator as me just based on how you identify in the world and how this particular culture is set up. So I'm uh, curious where that lands because that's a new thought for me. This, this, mm. yeah, this idea. absolutely. So in your process of expressing power and as one, but then anger as another, how do, how do you feel the male embodiment is, is truly, and female, because females actually are quite, uh, have a wrath to them, especially because they rear children. Mm -hmm. And so we're designed to actually protect. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's really scary to the male species. <laughs> when a woman goes into protection mode because it's it's mm -hmm. true like don't harm my child and it, it, it yeah. she will get as firm as she needs to to stop what's happening so how would you uh guide male and then female how to utilize um other than protecting your children the where we're commanding attention because that's pretty much what anger does it commands your own attention mm. but sometimes you're commanding other people's like you're stopping them from doing something detrimental to something else and it's not going to be just the nice guy yeah. saying hey don't do that it might require some power there to uh, stop mm. stop an altercation those kind of things so if you can share from your journey what you feel is a good way to inner engage with that yeah a couple of things come up in relation to that because <clears throat> i think the last thing you said about intervening in an altercation. Um, that one's really tough for me, actually. So I want to tease these apart with the first part about whether you're identifying as a man, woman, male, female, however, transgendered or a trans man or trans woman, however you identify, we all have these energies. So I think part of it is we have a, a, a real fragility as a culture. Um, we, we lack resilience. There's, there's so little unapologetic knowing, I think, well, I'll say this. I think it's a minority of people in my experience that have this unapologetic aspect to themselves whilst maintaining openness and humility. Hmm. Uh, Parker Palmer, who's an author and educator that I really revere, talks about having audacity and humility. And hmm. that's part of what I, every single day, work to do. Nice. Can I be audacious enough to, to think that I know something, that I can help someone, that I have something to offer, and be humble enough to realize I'm not for everyone and I might be wrong or I might be only partly right uh, or I may not have value for this particular person, but that doesn't mean I should throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Um, so I've worked with a lot of folks who are really doing their work and showing up and, and, and working to grow. And then they have partners or friends or family members that push back intensely on what they're being asked to do. And I, I counsel and coach and guide these folks through, well, please don't back down. Don't, you don't have to take your foot off the accelerator to kind of come down to someone else's level. In fact, 
that's usually what puts us in these poor positions eventually mm. is that we go well i'm too i'm i'm too much this <laughs> is too much for this person therefore and this is really common and paradoxical that men are often and I'll put myself in this category, kind of the crybabies in relationship with women, where women are too intense or they ask too much. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, maybe you get to say, hey, I hear you. And I'll, I'll, I'll do two of those three things. And the other thing I can't do right now. Some kind of meeting each other in the middle and right. negotiating the terms without just throwing a fit or leaving the room or disengaging or whatever it is. So um, to summarize, I would say, encouraging people to be less apologetic about what they know to be true about themselves, mm -hmm. what they want, what they desire, what their requests are. And that goes both ways. You know, if I have a request for you and I'm trying to be unapologetic and you say no, right. Well, I can't just say, well, I don't like your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I get to Give say, it to me now. all right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it's, it's incumbent upon me to walk my talk both directions, right. And right. say, Oh, Suzanne, I respect your answer. I'm bummed right? Both and. I'm disappointed and I respect your answer. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that comes to the, the word for me I use, utilize a lot is capacity because people can mm -hmm. get offended. Like if you ask me for something, I'm like, no. And you're like, oh, like Suzanne doesn't want to give me that. Um, but the, the reality is I may not have the capacity to give it to you for a wide array of reasons in that given mm -hmm. moment. And it might not even be because I don't want to, right? Uh, so yeah. share with the listeners a little bit about, uh, how to find what you need when someone doesn't have the capacity or the ability to meet you with your work, meet your, your request. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's juicy too. Um, I go back to this depersonalization. I love that. You don't currently have the capacity to give this person what they need and it doesn't have to mean you don't want to give it. Um, in terms of someone facing that scenario, I would say, well, here's an opportunity to work on self-regulation. <laughs> here's an opportunity to work on tolerating discomfort for the sake of growth and not making it someone else's problem, right? Here's an opportunity to sit with disappointment and regard for someone you care about. If you do indeed purport to care about a person, then it's important to not push them or be relationally violent to try to get what you want by force, intimidation, bullying, uh, manipulation. Um, and you can sure look elsewhere. Like if, if I want to have an hour long conversation with you about my challenges with my employees and you're like, I, I don't, I just have, I don't feel it, Jeff. I don't have it in me today. Okay. Thanks, Suzanne. Uh, get some rest. I hope you feel better. And I'll call somebody else. Like you yeah. have options. Or, or write a note to yourself or have a conversation in the mirror. Um, just ideally don't make it someone else's problem. Like suddenly, right. you know, you're the bad guy because I was clear with what I wanted and you just didn't give it to me. Right. And within that, uh, where can the individual be responsible? Uh, maybe they keep asking, asking, asking to source some of the things mm -hmm. that we request from others from within. Uh, because this is where we get, you know, addiction, affliction, obsession, all kinds of things, because mm -hmm. we feel we have to reach for it externally, but how we can source mm -hmm. it from within. Hmm. Well, let's use a specific example, because <clears throat> I do feel like there are certain things we just straight up can't get from 
ourselves. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine and I were exchanging mess voice messages this morning, and it's very sweet. She's having a hard time, and she gave herself a hug, which I thought was very dear. Um, and in the moment, I also feel like that's not as good as a hug from a friend or right. your partner. So that's not to dismiss or devalue that. I sure can't get a good hug for myself. I can get a, you know, I can, I can do this. That's cool. There's a nervous system regulation aspect that yeah. does occur. So that's legit. Um, and if it's something like what would be, I, I don't love these terms, but like a more low mind request, like, hey, can I, can I just bitch about my boss for, for 20 <laughs> minutes with you? I'm just want to vent. Um, even if I have the capacity, I'm probably going to say no <laughs> to most of those <laughs> requests. Um, and if that's the case, this is where my clinician comes in and says, well, I'd be open to having a conversation about helping you express exactly what you experienced, take ownership for your role in the dynamic and point you in the direction of potentially some useful things to help you change both how you view it as well as the interactions moving forward. Right. Turn it into something useful as opposed to something that's just kind of hot air right. blown off steam that isn't necessarily any sort of effective. Yeah. Productive. <laughs> mm -hmm. So move into productiveness with self and others. And for your friend that the hugging, because a lot of people have been feeling alone this past year, I always recommend people go sit with a tree. Uh, put their back oh, up to yeah. a tree or lay on the earth, especially if you don't have anyone, because mm -hmm. trees love to interact with us. And mm -hmm. uh, it'll ask, actually remove depression, anxiety quite quickly, and it'll bring your affect back to neutral 15 minutes on the mm -hmm. earth. <laughs> so for anyone Wonderful. out there saying, I don't, I don't, because some people don't, you know, they might be mm -hmm. uh, just not, that wasn't their deck of cards right in this moment. Uh, sure. So for, you touched a little bit on, you know, you know, we've created a lot of separation in this past year. It was leading up and then I think it got even more amplified. Uh, for the male species, uh, how do you feel that the male species could come together and, uh, I don't know, hear and see and connect and embody uh, unity together versus there's so much like manipulation and going on right now it's a little strange for me to watch and it's it's kind of in bed in like tv shows movies uh there's sound bites on social media so people are picking up this jargon to actually separate uh male to female male to male uh from between races uh and so how could you welcome in unity for people and a conversation to actually uh, maybe push away some of this programming that we're receiving and have real like human to human conversations. Hmm. Yeah. Sadly, I think separation, I mean, that's, that's the name of the game these days. Divisiveness, um, a divided people is a vulnerable people, mm -hmm. um, both in terms of messaging, uh consumption advertising the hungry ghost of the latest phone the latest deal gadget whatever um i think that starts with ourselves how do we be curious how do we uh put our phones down uh spend more time outside actually 
have human interactions, even with a mask on. Continue to have these pretty marvelous interactions simply because I'm not staring at my phone in line at the store or uh, I'm in a parking lot and I really make the effort to look someone in the eye and say hello and wave. That's it. It takes half a second and I've just connected with someone. Those are so many of the things I feel like we've we've been stripped of. I think there was a Times article uh, probably nine, ten months ago at the beginning or middle of the pandemic that talked about underestimating the power of chance interactions and random mm. encounters yep. and just a sort of mundane coffee shop guy or gal or whatever or the shopkeeper or you know the guy who waits at the same bus stop and you always wave and nod or whatever that there's tremendous value in those interactions so i think specifically with males or men it's easy to put walls up and get small and narrow about qualifications for who gets to belong mm. um and what is it to take a risk and this is where we get into me the the terrain of building our capacity to be uncomfortable for the sake of growth resilience can i be like i know i'm i've got what i call a pea prince you know that old story the princess and the pea yeah or she sits on a, a brand new mattress in the in the throne or castle or whatever and there's a single Aww. pea and it's not it's not good enough so they bring another mattress but she can still feel the pea um so i have a pea prince so i have a version of that who's That's really hilarious. particular and yeah and so i work with my pea prince and i say dude chill out you do not need to be this particular like the bar is way too high um <laughs> You will die alone. If, if I listen to that guy all the time, I would just die alone and miserable. So being able to consciously work to take small, significant risks on a daily yeah. basis. Choose connection over distraction. Hmm. Doesn't, doesn't have to be a big deal. Literally waving to someone that you're, you're crossing by hmm. three feet away is very human. Yeah. And it's certainly human to look at the ground and pretend you don't see the person walking by you three feet away, which is ridiculous. And we all do it, myself <laughs> included. So yeah. those ways, I think, are small, significant changes that can lead to more resilience and more capacity for bigger movements or changes. Beautiful. And so, you know, eye contact is really powerful. It's, mm -hmm. it's, when you say uncomfortable, a lot of people aren't comfortable with eye contact. Uh, mm -hmm. For... For men that might, because I, I have a daughter and a son, and so mm -hmm. I've been able to witness um, actually that my son is more sensitive in the sense than my daughter. Uh, her emotional development has been more rapid, even though she's the younger one. And for, and I would say I had a bro I had a brother, and it, the same thing was with him. You know, so there's this this play between the masculine and the feminine uh, based on how our biology is designed, how our brains are designed, you know, the amount of syntax a woman can handle and processes faster than a male. Hence men like typically short conversations and to the point because they're like, sure. Whoa, <laughs> she, she <just laughs> yeah, you're out there. The storm. So um, yeah. for, you know, for, Right now, I feel like we're at such a juicy standpoint because it is uncomfortable. People are bringing up ideas, um, but it's almost so matter of fact that it's like it's my way or the highway. Like you, you, I, this is this is the way it's going to be, and you're going to follow through, <laughs> or 
you're the evil one or you're accepted kind of thing. So uh, for men, would you say, how can you inspire them to actually be self-led versus going with uh, the energy that's projected through these devices, even the ones that we're on? Because it's really easy to sway people's minds. I don't know how many people understand that through these devices, through our phones, through social media, like you're all of a sudden, you are setting your algorithm of isolation sometimes versus seeing everything like, oh, wow, there's a potpourri of things I could experience. And let me check it out, that curious statement. Um, so for men to like, understand that it's okay for them to be more sensitive, yet they can still uh, be strong and exert uh, their power in the world, which, I, you know, it's there for a purpose. For sure, but I'm not a male embodiment right now, so you can speak more to that. <laughs> I yeah. can just know that I've witnessed I've witnessed the compare and contrast, but I don't think I would have known it until I raised a boy and a girl and witnessed mm -hmm. them. Obviously, they're everyone's different; they're unique with their soul and their eternal being. But it's it's mm -hmm. pretty like uh, fascinating to me. Like I'm like, wow, he is like so sensitive, and then I re can reflect back to all my relationships and I'm like, wow, like no wonder us women are like annoying to men because we're just like so much. And sometimes we're actually hurting them without even knowing because of how passionate we might be or how over emotive we might be. Like it's scary. I think it's scary to men. So yeah. if you could weigh in on all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you saying that Suzanne. Um, and it, it, a lot of it rings true having raised a, a son and a daughter, uh, my son who still identifies as a man, he, him, and my daughter is now a they, um, they, them. Um, there are undeniable differences. Um, and thinking about being self-led, uh, one of the things I'm still learning myself and getting quite humbled by, my sensitivity is a superpower. Um, got hammered with a really just old school orthodox uh, um, what's the term just essentially authoritarian um, very much my way of the highway uh, so it was squashed and now unlearning that and relearning this new way that my sensitivity is a superpower in that I can be empowered to ask say you if you were big and impassioned and fired up and just letting it rip and i'm over here like whoa uh i get to and this kind of circles back to where we started today i i have absolutely the power to say hey susan could, could we slow down a little bit because i want to make sure i'm getting what you're saying and it's hard for my system to keep up with you right now so would it be okay to slow down right i've already slowed down by intervening uh, I've already used my sensitivity as a powerful tool to say, I've got a need here and I have a request. Uh, and then when we, if you say, sure, yeah, Jeff, thanks. That's great. Let's slow down. I could say, great. Thank you. Then let me, let me reflect back what I heard you say thus far. Right now I can, I can moderate and modulate the pace a little bit. And in so doing I'm empowered and I'm actually pretty self-led. Um, and that might happen a dozen times in a, in a half hour conversation, uh, being able to say, oh, okay, hang on. 
the thing you just said really struck me and I don't want to lose it. So can we circle back and can I ask you a question? Curiosity is also a powerful tool when it comes to being self-led. And this, this is antithetical and, and in some ways absolutely taboo for men in this culture to do because I'm supposed to be able to track it all, know it all, not have any questions because I already know it all. Questions would, <laughs> that would actually fly in the face of this ideology I'm supposed to be living up to. So I just then start going, yeah, cool. And then I mansplain to you about what you just told me and not really hear you at all. Yeah. So for me, it's this paradox of empowerment through sensitivity. Um, I've never put it quite like that. And that also seems to fit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. And if you can share uh, the value of honesty, you touched on a little bit when we first started the conversation about owning, like rather than telling a third party story, that's really your, your story. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about the courage and how you might encourage people to, to be honest, to be truthful, uh, because that can help people understand one another <laughs> versus, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. Continuing the divide. Yeah. 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 This to me feels, I know it's big in my own life and has been for a number of years and continues to be central as one of my core practices. And here's the thing for me about honesty. First and foremost, it's about being honest with myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was, I was just, I'm, I'm developing curriculum with some colleagues for this men's weekend. I'm co-facilitating in August in Steamboat, Colorado, um, a couple hours from Boulder. And I was thinking about, okay, step one, get honest with myself. Step two, whoo, access the honesty and share it with someone else. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean, and I've fallen into this trap a number of times in my life, uh, where I just get out the truth bazooka, you know, and I let it rip. And I, I'm over here standing on my high moral, you know, my my moral high ground, thinking I am such a good dude because I just spoke the truth. But I also burned down someone's really precious forest uh, with my bazooka of truth. So being able to use the truth in a way to say, for instance, uh, like I just did in that role play or mock conversation, hey, part of me doesn't like to admit this, but I missed something you said. Can we slow down and go back? Yeah. Right? There's me taking a small bite-sized risk that's still a little, I'm a little sheepish about it, even still. And this is part of what I do for a living. I track people. And sometimes I space out. And I have to go, whoa, 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 hang on. Yeah. I was thinking of this thing over here. Can we circle back? Because I want to make sure I heard you. So there's some honesty in there. And it's not, Hey, I stole $10,000 from my great grandpa, you know, embezzled <laughs> money from, you know, it's not some horrible truth that we need to reveal every single time this deep, deep truth. <laughs> it can really, and I think needs to be incremental. So for me, being able to be honest about like when folks are pleasers, this is quite common. I know this one well myself. And they say, well, I just can't say no. I'm like, all right, well, this week, in between sessions, you get to practice saying, I don't know, to every single question you get every single day <laughs> for seven days. Say, I don't know. Give me a minute. Even if you're dead nuts, sure, you know exactly what the deal is. I want you to say, I don't know. Because it's a practice of interrupting an old behavior to buy yourself a little time. 
and then take a breath and substitute a new behavior. Something as simple as, hey, do you want to go to Italian food tonight? And you are just so sick of Italian food. And the automatic response is, it sounds great, because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Right. So that's one way to say, well, I don't know. Let me think about that for a minute. And then you buy yourself a minute and you already know you don't want Italian food, but you (laughs) bought yourself a little time to say, "Mm, what if instead, right, we can offer an alternative. We don't have to be a jerk and say Italian food sucks. I hate you for suggesting it. (laughs) We can just, we can just, you know, nibble at the edges is what I often say. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, and so, you know, it takes a certain amount of courage. And I think our society, Mm -hmm. you know, we we went through the 50s and 60s where the nuclear family was really about putting on a front. You know, we didn't have social media to help us out with that. It was really like you had your nuclear family, you did not create disturbances, you Mm -hmm. did not act out, you know, and then that generation of kids, um, which would be like my parents, to me, you know, they, they transition that down to us. <laughs> and then you have this yep. eruption of like, well, you know what, we all just need to talk about our feelings and overshare kind of a little bit. And then now I think there's a, a swinging back. Um, but I still think through all those generations, there hasn't been a really solid footing on what honesty is, because I think the helicopter parent syndrome created a lot of dishonesty. The parent just wanted to create emotional security for the children because they felt like they didn't have it when they were raised uh, because they weren't allowed to be truthful. So if we said, okay, maybe all our ancestors were trying their best, but we still haven't quite gotten it right. What would you suggest for emotional honesty to start being really honest with ourselves, with our emotions and our feelings? Because those are indicators. There's, I call them the check engine lights. You know, they're kind of telling us what's going on inside. Uh, creating the pause that you just said with, I don't know, your emotions go on. I don't know what, how can you help people understand that they have the, the freedom to just be honest with wherever they're at, at the end of that, I don't know, and to share what they're feeling or that they don't want to go to Italian, or maybe they don't even want to go to dinner with that person. Yeah, (laughs) that might be true. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, uh, this material, this terrain is so valuable to me. Um, there's a three-step process that I refer to often, which is identify unconscious automatic behaviors, interrupt those behaviors, substitute a new behavior. It's simple laid out like that, and it's far from simple in practice. Yeah. So whatever we can do, like for instance, going back to the people pleaser thing, um, when we notice like, oh, God, I automatically say yes to so many things. Great. That's tough to do. You've now spotted that unconscious automatic behavior. The interruption is all about that. It's like noticing when it happens and then actually choosing. Because often we say, oh, gosh, I'm choosing to do this over and over and over. And it's a terrible behavior. You're probably not choosing in my estimation. You're probably acting on deep patterned unconscious behaviors could be part of well almost certainly is part of how you were raised almost certainly part of how your parents were raised and their parents parents and their parents parents um so whatever we can do to slow down is a bonus like really truly um i'll say this too about sharing emotional truths it will always be some level of uncomfortable Mm. so please 
expunge from your minds and stories and hearts that that <laughs> being truthful will someday be like you know a cool breeze or you know uh, uh your fresh coffee you know like uh, a daisy it, it's just not it's probably not ever going to be that way other than for moments like it, totally possible to have brilliant moments where it's really easeful because you've created and worked really hard to create emotional safety with a particular person or a set of people mm. for the most part it's it's actually quite uncomfortable that's yeah. where i go back to making the distinction between useful productive discomfort and that old gnarly you know fight flight freeze got to save my ass discomfort so i got to put on this show this facade yeah. this character to get me out of perceived or actual or both kinds of trouble right um and i'll say this too it's never easy and it does and it can and does get much easier Absolutely. and that's critical it gets easier i'm here to tell you this shit is hard it's still hard for me and it's easier than it's ever been yeah. and the, and you know the level of discomfort will change as we go deeper with our capacity to do these things and our capacity is growing along with it so it's appropriate yeah. absolutely well said and so the power of choice is in our hands <laughs> in every given moment. Uh, yes, the discomfort. If we're, if we're conscious, right? If yeah. we're actually in our bodies, yeah. Right, and so the awareness part is really key factor, I think, here with honesty, because you know mm -hmm. I may want to like whistle Dixie and dance around the room, but if I have mm -hmm. awareness and I'm paying attention to you in the room. And you yeah. seem a little like your vibrations a little bit more calm, chill. You know, a, a rational human being could say, you know, it's probably I need to bring my my level down to where Jeff is at right now, and not to sacrifice myself. But there's a, a level of being in kind and service, and the reverse. So if you can share a little bit about how much self awareness can help us in that moment to be honest, if we really take in the person mm -hmm. we're relating to. Uh, we may not want to go to dinner with them. We may not want to eat Italian food, but we can take in their persona and who they are and vibrationally to us in that moment and deliver our truth uh, in an integral way and a compassionate way, if that makes sense. It totally does. Yeah, I appreciate the example. If we're continuing to practice attunement and awareness, not just here, not very self-centered, but... Um, aware of self and also aware of our surroundings not just people but you know animals yeah. trees birds you name it <clears throat> in that instance i really like it you want to whistle and dance you want to boogie uh i'm feeling a little bit chill um a few things for me can happen uh if you really wanted to relate to me and you said hey i, I really want to relate to you and i was like cool i'm not gonna dance around with you because i'm feeling <laughs> real chill so if you want to relate to me, you would probably have to take it down a notch or two. I'm not telling you you have to do that. And here's the sort of uh, spontaneous contract we are now negotiating. <laughs> and yeah. and you might then say, oh, cool. Thanks for letting me know more of where you're at. I had a suspicion. That's why I asked. I kind of sensed that. And hmm, you know what? I think I'm going to go outside and boogie and whistle because I really want to move my, <laughs> you know, my, my body right now. And I say, cool, that's great. I support you. And, and then when you're done, check back in and maybe we'll, you know, we'll be closer uh, yeah. in alignment to want to, to want to hang out. So nobody's wrong there. 
I mean, Absolutely. ideally, that's the outcome to move towards. You're not wrong for wanting to shake your groove thing. I'm not wrong for wanting to be chill. Uh, we get to agree to, it's not even really disagree, but we get to regard one another. Right. And realize. And self. Oh, yeah, and self. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that maybe this isn't the ideal time. Yeah. We're so scheduled, the, the sort of cookie cutter. Well, I said I'd do this, and so therefore I'm going to do it. And here's where it can get a little complex. Yeah. Because, well, how do I hold myself accountable? How do I stay in integrity? You know, a practice is a practice because we do it whether we feel like it or not. That's what yeah. makes it a practice. Um, and in places like Boulder, Colorado, boy, is it is it so common to make plans and have people, you know, half hour, hour before, hey, man, I'm not really feeling it today. I had something else come up, you know, personally. And so I'm just going to, I want to postpone. That's really common. Yeah. And on the one hand, wow, good on you for really honoring yourself. And the other hand, if that happens three times in a row, I'm done hanging out with that person. <laughs> like, right. uh, that doesn't actually yeah. work for me. Um, so I think a larger theme here too is knowing that relationship to ourselves, relationship to others is like a fire. If it's not tended, it can get out of control or it can right. die. Yep. So we are consistently tending the fire of us, the fire of our relationships. Um, and that is just the way it is. So as much as right. we want to be like autopilot, cool. I know who you are, Suzanne. I'm golden. I don't need to ask you questions. I know how you, uh, yeah, you're going to want to hang and boogie tonight and whistle. This is going to be great. <laughs> well, and, and it's, you know, honoring our word and our commitment. So I love that you brought that up because especially in more of like, uh, it's a, in the yoga you brought yoga up in the beginning people in kind of spiritual speak is just go with the flow just go with the flow sure. and you know i recently had someone say you know i'm all for that like you know ease but i didn't get married just to go with the flow like if it's not going to work or want not work i want it to you know i'm for my marriage continuing on i'm not just going to let it go yeah. um but just in the simple things of honoring our commitments like if we made it a dinner date, you know, to honor our commitment, uh, mm -hmm. versus like you said, maybe, you know, there's so much of an adage in Boulder, Colorado that people feel like it's okay just to cancel whenever you don't yeah. feel like it. Cause I'm being honest, but yeah, I've been dropped you... for a lot of spiritual <laughs> events. This thing came up, this workshop and oh my God, it looks amazing. So let's, let's reschedule. Thanks for understanding. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, please so, continue. Well, yeah. So share, you know, there's a, a thing called value of someone and respect <laughs> that they were going to give you their time. And then the third, I would say is service. So if, you know, we're always engaging with each other out of ulterior motives versus altruistic motives, meaning that mm. if we arranged to go to dinner and I didn't feel like it, but I know we made that commitment, then we could honor it and who knows what would happen. You know, even if I didn't feel yeah. like it, I did commit to it and I can go there and be in service to you and see what happened from there. So if you can share a little bit about that fine line of, yeah, the things happen, you know, there, there are certain things that happen yeah. in life, but how maybe daily we could try to be a little bit more respectful of our commitments to ourselves and others. Yeah. This feels juicy to me too. Um, <laughs> in, in my work, I'll use a personal example. There have certainly been many days in the last almost decade where I haven't felt, I haven't been feeling it as a therapist. Like I've, you know, 
my own life might have been a personal shit show the past weekend or, you know, I'm just struggling. And I've learned so much by showing up anyway. Hmm. And there is a fine line. Like if I'm actually just a wreck, I'm probably not going to do anybody any good. And that would be unethical for me to try to show up and right. charge money for, for what I can't bring. Um, so there's going to be a tension there. There's going to be a risk there. Um, and to your point, honoring our commitments, I found out of places I didn't know I had. Because it turns out I've developed this pretty powerful capacity to silence the noise when I'm with someone. So unless something's a 10 on the Richter scale, I can bring myself, I can be present, I can be engaged, I can self-regulate and really connect and offer what I, what I have to offer. And I would not have found those places and those capacities and been able to build them had I said it sort of the, you know, first notice of potential rain, you know, let's, let's actually call it. I don't want to go out in the ocean today. It looks pretty stormy. <laughs> no, no I, I said I was going to do it. So I, I, I shoved off and now we're in the water. And what do you know? The clouds parted and it's sunny and I'm seeing wildlife. I'm having an experience. So, and I have a rule. I just call it the rule of three. And I, I apply it a lot of different places. Like for instance, um, in this scenario, someone calls off for a, you know, basically I get demoted. I get bumped for the cooler thing. <laughs> you know, meditation retreat came up. Oh, cacao ceremony came up. It's cacao and sound. Oh, cool. All right. Wow. So if that happens three times, I got to have a conversation with that person. If, if, to me, that constitutes a pattern. Uh, a one-off, oh, all right, whatever. Uh, even two times in a row. That's still yeah. like, I can have generosity of spirit there and be able to say, yeah, okay, cool. What are the chances? But if it happens three times, okay, now there's a pattern. Now I'm either going to have a block to you and I'm not going to trust you. And if we hang out again, I'm not actually going to enjoy it because I'll be holding <laughs> this thing Yeah. Um, and waiting for you to cancel on me um, versus leaning in and having a potentially uncomfortable conversation. But in this case, ideally a productively uncomfortable conversation. Right. Where I get to say, hey, Suzanne, I love what you're up to in terms of all the workshops that you've been canceling on our time together to go to. <laughs> and it has an impact. <laughs> right. It has yeah. an impact on me. It has me actually not trusting that you'll do what you say you're going to do. And I feel less valued in this friendship. Yep. And, and I'd like to have a conversation. Now, most people might like shaking their boots the thought of having a conversation like that because right. it's confrontational what if yeah. i piss somebody off or disappoint them or they stop liking me and it's like well if they're not treating you respectfully maybe they already are in their actions communicating they don't like you right. or don't prioritize you or don't value you so i work to help people lean in there and actually take a risk proactively to get clear and relationships can certainly end that way. And they can also, I find, often deepen in that way. And they do. Yeah, absolutely. And so that goes back to that honesty standpoint. When we start to uh, really just showing our true self to one another, mm -hmm. it's easier to know what it is. I mean, a lot of people in friendships, mm -hmm. partnerships, they don't feel like they have the courage to really state what is, even if it's uncomfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. And then down the road, when everything goes south, 
you know, people are like, oh, they deceived me. And it's like, well, no, they just didn't feel like they could be honest with you. And that's not just a one way thing. There's a reason sure. sometimes someone can't be honest with someone or vice versa. Uh, sure. Yeah. So this is the season to get uncomfortable. <laughs> There's plenty of well, opportunities yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Big time. We've got served a healthy dose of uncomfortable in the last, well, a number of years, but certainly in the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right. So I want you to share. I, I couldn't do it in between. I want you to share now and I can insert oh, sure. it also, but we're still live. Uh, you up and coming yeah. men's retreat would I also think is so valuable for, you know, I lead some women's retreats. I haven't done it for a couple of years, but it's really valuable to get people together and groups to discuss. And I think male to male and female to female in the respect, you know, a lot of indigenous tribes operate this way. And I always look to them because they know how to operate and engage with nature in a way that the modern human does not. So mm -hmm. I think they have a lot of wisdom there to share with us, but share about your upcoming retreats that you have going on. Um, and uh, you said one in August and then one in the... one in October. Okay. Yep. And will uh, that be August on your 6th. website? It will be on my website, probably on my Facebook page, Jeff James Howard before then, but certainly on my website eventually. Um, August 6th, 7th, 8th uh, at Elkstone Farms. Uh, it's a farm that my friends and colleagues, uh, Marco Lamb and his wife, Jamie Firstas, uh, run. And it's a three-day men's retreat where we'll dig into <laughs> appropriate topics today. Honesty, uh, embodied listening, what it is to... Um, to be in masculine, to be in the masculine, and, and how to use uh, somatic or body awareness to source in terms of honesty with self first and, and, and other second in that order. Um, and so we'll get embodiment practices. We'll be getting out in the mountains on foot, on bike, um, a lot of just juicy connection about what it is to be relational in an embodied way. Uh, with self and other and in relationships, intimate partnerships, work relationships. Um, and then we'll do effectively a part two. You can attend one or both in October. Um, so beautiful. And at the same location, yeah. same location. Yeah. Awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, this is super helpful. <laughs> as always. <laughs> Great. <yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Suzanne. It's fun. It's really lovely to, to connect. Yeah, so we'll be coming up on summer. I'm just going to keep pushing forward with our little theme thing we've got. We got anger, <laughs> aggression, separation, honesty. Mm -hmm. uh, and now uh, we'll be going into summer energy, which is joy and love. So that's fun. Mm. Uh, and that then coupled fun. with earth energy towards the end, which is trust. So, mm. uh, which usually people get scared when they fall in love anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems quite human. Yeah. I realized I told yeah. a client this week that uh, all relationships will end in death or breakup, romantic relationships, because there's no other option. <laughs> it's true. So we shouldn't be afraid. Just dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Hey, we're all going down anyway. May as well let it rip. Yeah, have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Don't be scared. <laughs> So, or be scared and do it anyway. I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> and, ah. and you, yeah I, I really 
comfortable with like diving, skydiving, things like that. But yeah. and sitting in it, okay. it's super powerful. <laughs> yeah, so, well, thank great. you for being here, and uh, we will put all Thanks the links to your me. sites below. And uh, give your website again right now, so for the radio listeners. You bet. Uh, it's threeleavescounseling.com. T H R E E leaves on a tree counseling.com. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, aka She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply.